0: University. My name, of course, is Warren Johnson.
1: Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, Miss Picky. I, I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a uh, parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your
0: name? Yeah, as always, with my man-man pots and pans, Nick McCone. That's me. <laughs>
1: I don't really know what like you think that should do. I'm Ryan Isley. What is he oh doing? Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the oh. hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Just maniacism. Well, all the spe- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this
0: again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell
1: yeah. I said give me a hell yeah.
0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land? My name is Juan Johnson, and I'm joined, as always, by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer, and you're listening to episode 237 of The Stray Shooters, which is available on a multitude of platforms all over the internet, including Patreon. You can subscribe to some, some of our exclusive content on Patreon, patreon.com slash shooters radio, with a nominal fee, for the small fee of $199. Uh, obviously, we got a lot to talk about on tonight's show, episode 237. Uh, if you're not aware, I'm sure you most of you are. Uh, it's, a, it's a wild time in our country, and on top of the pandemic. There's a lot of other stuff going on, too. And obviously, I got a lot to say before I get you know into it and all this and that. We'll, we'll, we'll actually, we will talk about wrestling on this show, folks, uh, just so you know. We're going to live commentate. I mentioned it last week. We're going to live commentate. Uh, each of the legendary trilogy, you know, match, tr- trilogy of matches between Ric Flair and the Steamboat that occurred between, I think, 1989, all of 1989. Uh, starting tonight with the Chi-Town Rumble. Uh, well, next week we'll do the Clash of Champions, and then we got to that, we'll go into the Wrestle War match they had to wrap up the whole trilogy. But, uh, so we will live commentate that. Uh, it's not gonna be a, uh, a uh, humorous time. I are gonna be watching one of the be- you know three of the best matches in wrestling history. Honestly, so we're gonna just sit back, and be fans, and enjoy ourselves when we come to that. But uh, before I, like I said, we talk about current events. I wanted to turn it over to my good my good brother Nick and really check in with you. How you doing tonight, my good brother?
1: Well, we are in the middle of uh, like you said, crazy times, and we're on the. A- also, in the middle of this crazy string of weather that we're having, we're supposed to have severe storms for like three or four nights in a row this week. Uh, so, hopefully, during the course of this podcast, we don't lose power. And uh, you know, I'm 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 holding out hope for that. But the more important question, Vaughn, is how are you doing, my friend?
0: First off, it's hot, like you said. <laughs> it's hot. It came quick. How hot it is all of a sudden. And it was a crazy thunderstorm yesterday. Uh, for like a half hour. It was like a hurricane outside of my girlfriend's house. It was wild. And we did lose power for like, oh, wow. Uh, maybe two, three hours, maybe. And it came back. I think we lost it around like, uh, maybe one or two, maybe. And it came back right right before four. I know that much. Uh, but we were out of power for a little bit, but it came back. And, uh, so, yeah, I was standing
1: in front of my glass sliding door, just making sure there were no tornadoes, just in case.
0: Yeah, I was looking out the window. And it was like, Oh, it's not safe to even be outside right now. <laughs> like <laughs> no, to get like, no. Oh, you might get soaked and wet. No, you might get taken away by this wind. It was like 60, 70 mile per hour winds out there for like, and it's only for like 20 minutes, but that's long enough. I mean, up here in Philly, I don't, you know, we have listeners all around the globe, obviously, but, uh, we're not used to that type of stuff up here in Philly. I'll tell you that right now. If you're from Florida, if, you're from, if you live in a tornado alley, first off, Good luck to you surviving those natural disasters, but, um, we're not used to that up here at Billy at all. <laughs> like, no. If it's a strong gust, we're like, ooh, let's get in the house. Like, nah. Just like yeah. y'all down south, you're not used to the snow. Yeah, right. We're not used to them gusty winds and those types of storms. we was like, ooh, y'all probably see it like, ah, that wasn't nothing. But for us, it's like, hey, what, what the hell? And it's the exact opposite for us when it comes to snow. We see an inch of snow. We're like, whoa, this is just, you know, this is just April, <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. Exactly. But y'all was like shut the whole city down it's snow. <laughs> so Yeah, that's funny one like and that it's funny cuz the Canadians make fun of us because they think we can't handle snow, but it it's funny how how we uh go down geographically how how right. different our uh you know weather patterns can be from year to year. It's all relative,
0: right? What they say.
1: Uh but on a more
0: serious note, um like I said, if you haven't been keeping up with current events, uh, I don't know what you've been doing for the last week. Uh, plus, you know, since, uh, George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis by a police officer last, man, not this past Tuesday, but last Tuesday? Or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and since then, all hell has broken loose. And some ways in a good way, and some ways in bad ways. Because obviously, theres and I saw Nick, you, you saw it, you know, and you, you know, tweeted a lot of stuff. People are out here peacefully protesting because we're fed up with that type of stuff, obviously. We've been fed up as black people. You know, this police brutality stuff isn't really nothing new to us, unfortunately. There are so many people that have fell victim to that, to excessive force for decades. So it isn't really new. But, and people aren't protesting, and then you got people who are, you know, just causing chaos and whatnot. So that's a whole different story. But, what I have zero tolerance for right now is the lack of acknowledgement that there is systemic and systematic racism in our country. If you don't believe that that is the case, you might as well unsubscribe to our podcast right now. Uh, if you're a patron, you can unsubscribe to the Patreon right now. You can unfollow us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever else. You can turn the podcast, this very podcast, episode episode 237, I'm going to turn it off right now because we can't help you if you don't acknowledge that. But for those who at least are willing to listen, hear me out. If you don't understand how it exists. Hear me out. It exists in our country. It has existed for since pretty much the day African Americans were brought here in the 1600s. For Africans at that point, we weren't African Americans yet. Um, and it's been systemic ever since. Even well, even after we became "quote unquote" free after you know the Emancipation Proclamation. The system that was built after that, or even before that, was built against us ever since. So it was built to work against us ever since. And we need wholesale sweeping changes in our country. And until then, people are going to protest. Of course, there's some opportunists out there that are looting and destroying property. People are going to only zero in on that. It's like, oh, that's a criminal act. But some of the people are legit angry. You can't tell people when they're angry. I mean, yeah, you will keep your emotions in check. But, like, man, people are hurt. I'm hurt. I've been hurt. I've had a lot of people reach out to me over the last couple days. Nick, you included. And I appreciate the fact that y'all reached out to me. And y'all asking me, are you good? You good? You okay? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm good. But honestly, to be honest, I'm not okay. Because one of the things I had to do over the last week was sit down and really have a talk with my daughter, who's only nine, she'll be ten, about racism. And that's not fun. I've tried to shield her away from that for a long time. It's been nine years of her life, you know, because, you know, she's never really experienced these, as far as I can remember, as far as I know. She's a kid. She's innocent. She, She don't. Understand it fully, even to this to this point. Obviously, she's only nine; she'll be ten in December. But that that's not a fun conversation, and just as much as not fun for me, it seems like it's even way more unfun or uncomfortable for people who don't want to recognize it. But it's here, folks. It's real. Okay, and it's obviously awful. I see people. Just reacting like people are just, they want to destroy property. No, like I said, we're angry, man. You can't tell people, a group of people that are hurt, we're hurting, still hurting, how they should express themselves. Peaceful protests haven't worked. Well, they have at some points, but you had people who peacefully protested, like Colin Kaepernick. People didn't like that. So what do you do? Some people, they want to be heard. I mean, this is people who want to be heard, and this is how they are being heard. You may not agree with it, but this is coming from years, centuries of pain, of hurt. Back to my original point systemic racism, oh, hell yeah, it exists. And like I said, it's terrible. There's so many ways it exists, though. Police brutality, there's only one aspect of it. You know, police brutality, like I said, that's, that's going on. I mean, we had riots in Watts in the 60s. We had riots in L.A. in the '80s, the early 90s. We have had protests. There's been so many instances of police brutality, especially, I know people want to say, oh, what well, happens to white people too? Yeah, but sometimes people, it shouldn't happen to anybody, number one, but it happens more to black people than it does to seem like everybody else. It just seems that way, at least to me. Then you got people who say, oh, what about black-on-black crime? When a black person commits a crime, that person goes to jail. There is no, like, well, there needs to be some accountability. No, we don't have to worry about that because you you, cops will take no issue in locking that dude up. who committed the crime, locking him up, and throwing his ass in jail. But for some reason, when they do something like that, something awful, like, you know, what happened in Minneapolis? That's happened before. Stuff like that's happened before. That's not like it hasn't been this blatant, and you know, maybe not widely viewed. But we've seen it. We see stuff like that. We've heard news stories about stuff like that, and the accountability is lacking. That's what really. That's that's what we really are talking about here. It's not really the fact that death and, and murder is wrong across the board, but there's a the lack of of mm-hmm. of accountability from the police aspect. As opposed to black people. Black people get thrown in jail at a disproportionate rate, more so than other people, other, you other know, races and whatnot. So let's not do that neither. All right? I understand for some people, this conversation, you want us to talk, just talk about wrestling. Just talk about wrestling. I, don't, I want to escape from all this, but you can't escape. I can't escape it. This is my reality every day as an African American in the United States. Country that I was born in, by the way. I know some people might say, Go back to your country. and then, <laughs> This is my country. And my country has been treating people like me unfairly for centuries. And it's not right. Obviously. I mean, that goes without saying. Like I said, but police brutality is just one aspect, it's a system. I'm trying to educate people. I'm trying to tell people, like, this is just one example. I'm going to give you one example of how systemic racism exists. You go in a neighborhood, right? Black neighborhood. What's there in a black neighborhood besides the people? Honestly, not much. You won't see too many jobs. Not too many rec centers for the kids to go to, libraries to go read, stuff like that. And when you don't have, you know, the schools aren't that good. You don't even have as much as public pools in a lot of these neighborhoods. So when people don't have any opportunity and no education, what do they typically resort to? Crime. And obviously, yes, there are people out there who are just flat out crooks. They just, they just love the life of crime. But there are a lot of people who are committing crimes a lot of times, whether they're selling drugs or stealing from somebody. They do it out of desperation. They do it out of survival. I don't have money. I got to eat. I got to feed my kids. I, they got to eat. Well, I got to get this money. They don't even, they might not like what they do. They don't condone it, but hey, this is the only opportunity I have to put food on my table. Yeah, it's wrong, but it's out of survival. It's out of desperation. So what happens when you have a whole neighborhood like that? An entire neighborhood that's riddled with crime, drugs, poverty. Now, like I said, the whole neighborhood is messed up. This is where the systemic racism comes into play because now the property values of that neighborhood drop significantly. They Just keep going down, down, and down, and down, and nothing changes. All they do, all the system does, is arrest people, they just lock them up. Oh, you commit the crime, do the time. There's no help. There's no, you know what? Let's lend a hand out and help these people. Try to uplift them. No, it's just let's send in more cops. Round up all the. All the black people who commit the crimes, go them in jail. Like I said, there's no extra, you know, programs put in place. The programs that are in place are probably really strict and really hard to get into. I mean, there's so many hurdles thrown in you in the way. So, that, like I said, the property value goes down. The neighborhood is a mess. And the property values, because there's no resources put back into these neighborhoods, they don't care. The property values sink to a point that somebody can come in, rich, white, developer, more often than not, come in, buy up the entire neighborhood, move all the black people out, tear down the old the, the houses, rebuild it with nicer, newer condos or whatever, townhouses, charge so much money that the older black families that live there can't move back in because they can't afford them. Now, all of a sudden, you have white young professionals moving into these same neighborhoods that people like me used to live in. But now, be, it's a whole new, the complexion of the entire neighborhood has changed. That is one example, and it's called gentrification. You take a neighborhood that was mostly black, poor, lacking resources, all of a sudden, somebody comes in, Kind of totally changes it around. Doesn't change it around for the people that are already there. They change it around for other people who don't live in the city but want to live that "quote unquote" urban lifestyle, and they move in. Young millennial professionals, and all of a sudden these neighborhoods transform. They even have new names like Brewery Town in Philly. What the hell is that? That's just New Philly, where I'm, <laughs> where I'm from. Now it's Brewery Town, and if you haven't noticed. I'm speaking from experience because this happens in Philly and it's happening in Philly all the time. You are at the Market Frankfurt line in Philly is the the, the the L. And if you're going westbound to eastbound, so let's say you're at you're downtown you're at 15th Street. You're on the L and you come out of Spring Garden. You're seeing, okay, a little bit of gentrification here. You go to Gerard, Burks. You see it's all gentrified. But the, more, the further east you go on the, the Mark and Frankfurt line, the neighborhoods get worse and worse and worse. That's only because gentrification hasn't quite spread up to those neighborhoods yet. But it's going to. You look at Kensington right now. Kensington and Allegheny. The L stop there. Those neighborhoods, man. Whew, it's you go to if you. I. <laughs> It ain't super safe. I mean, it's it's going to be startling if you were to do this. But if you have never been to KNA, as we call it, Kens- Kensington and Allegheny, it's like something out of a movie. I've been there, like, twice. It's something out of a movie. It's that messed up. Like, I was there for, like, five minutes, and somebody got arrested, like, within five minutes. Like, they were trying to rob, I think they are trying to rob Walgreens on the corner, and they got arrested. It was just crazy. It was like, wow, this is nuts. I was only there for five minutes, and I'm from the hood, and I was like, even I was like, wow, this is a lot. Okay? Nothing is being put into that neighborhood as we speak right now. But eventually, guess what? Someone's gonna come in, change the whole neighborhood, and it's gonna look totally, probably totally different in 10, 15 years. That's just one aspect. How about another aspect? Okay, maybe that won't do it for you. How about the war on drugs? Remember when crack hit Nick? In the '80s, that was mostly in like inner cities, you know, black neighborhoods, and it hit hard. It hit real hard. It destroyed like entire generations of families. Like it was just, it was horrific. And cracks a lot here, and it's still horrific. But what was the solution? So they, it wasn't. How do we help these people? Is how do we win this war? It was a war. Because black people were mostly smoking crack, unfortunately. But cocaine, there wasn't a war on cocaine. Even though it's the same drug. Crack is cocaine. It's called crack cocaine. But one is more expensive and is used by, generally, people with more money. Crack is a cheaper, cooked up form. So what did they do? They just took people, locked them up, didn't get them help, didn't get rehabs, and. Entire neighborhoods were destroyed. Fast forward, here we are. Let's say thirty years later, we're in the middle of another big drug epidemic: heroin. Which, let's be honest, heroin has been around before crack. Heroin's around in the seventies; nothing was done about it. But what's different between what's different between the seventies, you know, when heroin was real bad, especially in New York, and now heroin? Has affected white people in suburbia, in small towns. They come into the city to get some heroin, and that th- that's also partially due to big pharma, oxycotton, oxycotin, you know, stuff like that. That's you know what gets them hooked on to the you know to those uh, the opioids, I should say, and that leads to heroin. But they come into Kensington. Start using drugs, start using heroin, and they don't even, they never leave. They're just there. Now, it's a, it's a real issue. How can we help these people? Now they have safe injection sites, and they're doing all these different things. I mean, it's good. Honestly, I'm off with helping people. But it's just funny how the narrative has changed. Depending on who is being most affected. When it was 30 years ago, it was lock them up. You know, these are just junkies. Get them off the streets. Now, I mean, there's white people from suburbia. And you'll see it. It's, it's affecting small white towns. You got to West Virginia. It's, it's a lot of places West Virginia has been hit hard by it. Ain't a lot of black people in West Virginia. But like, and even the surrounding areas in Philly. All of a sudden, it's like, how can we solve the issue? There's no war. It's let's get these people help. Which at the end of the day is good. I just wish it happened 30 years ago when a lot of black people was up on crack too. The thing is about this is that it happened at a time, you know, this this most recent terrible act that's happened to an innocent black person in this specific case, it was George Floyd. It happened in the middle of a pandemic. So, usually in late May, early June, people are on vacations. They're watching sports. they're Or they're just working. They're just busy with their lives, right? They got a job. They got all this stuff going on. But now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, which, you know, reminder, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. So, they're not taking any vacations. A lot of these people are out of work. That $1,200 that the government gave them ain't cutting it. And because they're not at work, they're not distracted, they're not on a vacation, they can't just ignore it. They can't just live their blissful life of just like, huh, and be secluded from everything. Now you got to pay attention because all you got right now is your phone that you're scrolling through your timeline with. And your TV, and you turn on the TV, and you turn on any news station. That stuff is everywhere. And you scroll through your timeline. This is everywhere. And I think that it's kind of illuminated this issue that's existed for decades to a lot of to a lot of white people, honestly. And I know there are white people who are allies and they are against staunchly against racism, but there are others who I think that probably weren't so keenly aware of it. Until this happened now. And I was like whoa. This is really 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 bad. Not like sort of bad but no. Like over the top bad. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just like I said. With examples of gentrification. The war on drugs. And it's war. Where black people couldn't get. Couldn't take out loans. Or buy property. Or redlining. Or so many different things. Every time there's a community of blacks that are trying to uplift themselves, the the government, not like a group of vigilantes, the government will come in and destroy it all. Look at, look up MOVE, which happened in Philly in 1985, look that up. Look up Tulsa, what happened in Tulsa in the 1920s, and you'll see, this is the government who did this. Or allowed it to happen with no repercussions. This is the system stacked against African Americans. And here's the thing about racism. And obviously, racism of all kinds is, or just discrimination of all kinds is bad. You know, people of color are discriminated against in general. But it feels like specifically black people are discriminated against all over the world, honestly. You can look it up. They were black people in in Asia get discriminated against just not just this year during the pandemic. Just this year, African immigrants. You go to Europe. How many times do you hear about a soccer player, a black soccer player in Europe, getting a banana thrown at him during the game? That's happened multiple times during my lifetime. Same with hockey. That happens in Europe. That happens in Canada. You go to Africa, specifically South Africa. Long history of black people being discriminated against. You go to Latin America. Afro-Latinos. Different parts of Latin America. Discriminated against. When it comes to those soccer players sometimes in Europe that they're discriminated against, they're from the countries that, you know, not like this is an African immigrant. You know, this is a person that was born and raised in Germany or or wherever, whatever country this is, born and raised there, France, you know, whatever, and they're still discriminated against. And it, of course, it happens here too in the United States. For whatever reason, black people are just just shat on everywhere. You look it up; you can find it all over the world. So this is not just a U.S. problem. The U.S. I mean, I can speak to, at least in the US, the system, how it's worked against us, but discrimination is everywhere. I can't speak to the systems, how the systems work against black people in other countries, because I'm not familiar enough with their systems and, you know, whatnot, and, you know, how that works. But here, in the United States, woo, it's bad. And like I said earlier, if you don't recognize that, if you would hit me where all lives matter, as if black lives, you know, as if you don't understand the point of why Black Lives Matter exists. You want to say, uh, you know, it's, it's slavery is over. You got your civil rights. You can unsubscribe. You can unfollow. You can pause and turn the podcast off right now. Because I ain't got time. We ain't got time. I can say that. I can speak for my brother Nick right now and say, we ain't got time. And to all of you out there, that are protesting, keep it up because our voice has got to be heard. My girlfriend was out there this past Saturday, last Saturday, downtown. Obviously, before things got, you know, crazy with the police and the riots and the looting, she was peacefully protesting. But, you know, I was, I had Gabby. I didn't want to, you know, take her out into the protest and whatnot. But, so I didn't go, but it's going to continue. This is just the beginning. Hopefully, it's just the beginning of actual change. There's been, you know, people can say what they want. And but this time, this is it. This is like, it feels like this time around, black people are at their wits end. Especially now, because we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of these people are out of work. And they're flat out like they broke. You <laughs> know, At $1,200, they, they couldn't stretch it that far. Because how could you? It's $1,200. The government handed it out hopefully I, I hope am i optimistic not necessarily honestly and that's sad because i want to have faith in my country that you know that i've born and raised in that we can eventually get this right but there's a lot of people out there who oppose just you know making these reforms and making these changes a lot of people out there who do but hopefully this is a tipping point hopefully this is like I said, just the beginning of real reform. As far as the first step is reform in the police. The, the other things that happen in our country, like the system working against you, that's going to take longer to, to fix, honestly. But the first step will be reforming police, this police reform, as far as who they let in amongst their ranks and destroying that code of silence that they have it's so funny to me about police is that they rely on the neighborhoods and the people snitching they rely on that to build cases against people they want you to cooperate so much you know cooperate with us please come to us talk to us give us information but when it, when it, when their own does something they don't say anything you got hardened criminals who lead criminal enterprises, stone cold killers who will snitch more than the police. Which is backwards, right? You would think the police would be the first ones to to right a wrong, to call out a an injustice. Once that that doesn't happen and once that changes, once that code of silence is broken, that's when we can start really making some changes. In the police department, that's just again, that's just that's just one step. That's just one of many, so many things that had to change. So again, shout out to all the protesters out there. Keep fighting a good fight, and to pay our respects to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, so many others out there who, uh, you know, who have suffered these terrible losses at the hands of the police and whoever else. You know, you had um Aubrey. Ahmad Aubrey, who you know wasn't even police related, but still, it was just senseless, and it was a murder, and it was a hate crime. Honestly, um, so yeah, heart goes out to all those families, and all the people who who were out there protesting got arrested for no reason, just peaceful protesting. It's just so much. It's just I I, I got so angry with the other day. I think it was Tuesday. I got really, really angry, and I just, like, I can't take this no more. I had to kind of, like, try to shut out social media and try to distract myself because i just go crazy thinking about all this stuff, man. But, you know, I try to hold out hope. Like I said earlier, I, I want to hold out some hope. Maybe not a lot, because this is still the United States of America. Some hope. That this, hopefully, this is a point where, because as much as People like stuff has happened to like George Floyd and like I said to other people where just they they are senselessly just murdered for nothing. Innocent people, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, all this stuff has happened before. The the reaction hasn't been so widespread like at this one it has been. Where there's literally protests in all fifty states. There are protests in other countries. You know, like the UK and stuff like that. And it's just like, wow, this is this is different. Again, part, I think part of it is because we're in the middle of a pandemic, but it's nice to see that when people do see that something has happened, maybe they didn't see it before because you know they had lives and just they just were maybe they were willfully ignorant or they just didn't see it for some reason. But now that they did see it, they're like, yo, this ain't right. We got to right this wrong. We got to fight for justice on this. Way. So I am happy to see that, and this is different from the other times that I've seen this stuff happen. Let's just keep it going, man. Hope that hope for hope, I guess. Uh, Nick, you anything else to add to that before we uh, make an awkward transition to wrestling?
1: Yeah, Vaughn, well, just to echo your sentiments about it, it, unsubscribe to this podcast, uh, unfollow us if you if you're not agreeing with what we're saying because if you had any issue with what Vaughn said and that beautiful monologue, Uh, just we don't need your support. Um, I really would kind of like to say something about white privilege and the fact that there are people out there, white people, that think it doesn't exist, and I'm here to say that it absolutely does, and I don't think the people that, the white people get mad when they hear that term, privilege, because they automatically think that Other people think they're living a privileged life, and that's that's not why that term exists. The term exists because we all struggle. Every race struggles. But white people do not struggle because of the color of their skin. That's basically everything that white privilege stands for. I've struggled in my life, and I'm still struggling in my life. And I'm not struggling because of the color of my skin. That's what white privilege means. And if you still think that it doesn't exist, or that it's some type of term that is made up, uh, it, it's not. It's really not. It, it's simple. I've struggled because, you know, I just... Everyone does. And But the reason I've struggled is not because I'm white. And I will say, I have grown up in kind of a bubble when I was a kid, and I don't think that I actually kind of appreciate that in a way, because where when I grew up, you know, I moved to South Jersey, and, you know, I, I went to school with all races, and there never seemed to be racial issues growing up in suburban Jersey. Um it wasn't really until i grew up that i was kind of out of my bubble and understood that these things were happening that we we were taught in like history class they were still happening and it kind of like took me aback because i'm like wait a second like i didn't grow up with you know racism like my, my parents raised me and my sister to view everyone equally and judge them exactly by the content of their character and I was confused because not everyone was the same in, in judging people. And I'm glad that I was kind of open to it because it allowed me to see that it's still out there and I'm not turning a blind eye to it. And I'm happy to stand with my black brothers and sisters and really f- fight for justice. And that's what it's about. It's about justice. Exactly what you said. Black-on-black crime. Those people go to jail. Police brutality. Those people don't. And that's the change that we have. We're, we're fighting for. And I'm, I'll happily uh, support any cause in that realm. And before I went to church, I went to school in Philly. And I do remember the first time I had a black classmate and it it just didn't matter. And what gravitated me towards him and he was my friend. He became my friend. And the reason he became my friend is because he had an ultimate warrior folder. We liked wrestling. We were the only two in there that liked wrestling. And sure, the ultimate warrior in real life, not not great. Not not a great guy. Not a great but,
0: person.
1: You know, we're five years old and we don't know that. And what brought us together. Was our love for pro wrestling. And maybe subconsciously, that's why I still love pro wrestling at 34 years old. Maybe. I, I honestly can't tell you. And just talking about it right now is kind of giving me goosebumps because that's what I, when I have kids, if I do have kids, that's what I would want them to look at others. Become friends with people based on common interests. Don't become enemies with people based on the color of their skin. And, you know, everything that you said was right. And uh, if people don't, if they're afraid of hearing the uncomfortable truths, then if they're willing not to listen, then that's that's on them. There's maybe there's no fixing that.
0: It's funny you say, like, you know, People don't recognize, you know, they're just ignorant to the fact that there is such a thing as white privilege or that black people are oppressed or people of color are oppressed, period. But like you see a lot on social media, a lot of people, a lot of people will get called to the carpet because they're being, they're showing how they don't know. And all it really takes is just to listen and learn. That's all you really have to do as, as a white person is just acknowledge the fact. It's like, it's like denial almost. Like the, what does it say? Like the stages of denial or something like that or admitting that you have a problem. First, you got to admit that you have the problem or admit that you have to, in this case, admit that you have the privilege and that you recognize it. Then, from there, it's educating yourself, listening and seeing, you know, what What I said tonight, if you aren't aware of that, that's only a couple of examples. That's not like, the, the that's not even the whole kit and caboodle of this thing. Like, it goes way deeper than that. Like, you look up people like Fred Hampton and how he died. Like, that's just, I gonna just put a name out there. Google it if you're not aware of Fred Hampton, Hampton, the Black Panther, who was murdered by, I think, you know, Chicago PD in his bed. That's not a joke. Um, that's real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, that happened, you know, decades ago when he's like 22 years old or something like that. But look this stuff up and you'll see. You know, like, that's all. Just educate yourself, man, and recognize that there is an issue. At least acknowledge that. That's all I really. Not only that's not sound we ask, I ask a lot more of that besides that, but after you learn and you know and you grow from it, there's more to do after that. But in the meantime, you know, at least acknowledge the fact that it exists, that white privilege exists, and listen and learn to black people or people of color in general as to see how this, you know, why this exists, why we are so angry, why are we fed up? You know, honestly, black people, we've been fed up. Honestly, it's just we we were fed up after Rodney King. We were fed up after Trayvon Martin. We were fed up after Eric Garner, Sandra Bland. I mean, we've been fed up for decades. It's just, it's just like we're fed up to the nth degree now. And it's like I don't feel like I don't know if this is like us saying like this is the last straw because I mean something that happened again tomorrow. I <laughs> mean, you know, unfortunately. But you know the the problem, the real issue I think I have with it, not just the fact that it happens, it's, it's twofold: It's that it happens, and that there's no accountability on the back end. You know, after after it happens, like you saw in Louisville, there's, there was a man that was shot by police and, and killed innocent black man, and all the cops that that was with you know in that area, they had to their body cams shut off for whatever reason. Why? Why would you do that? And the police chief of police, they got fired like the the day after, like the next day. Which is like, whoa, that's that's type of stuff never happens. You might think, oh, that should be normal. People should get fired. No, <laughs> that's the crazy thing about this. And it's, I'm laughing, but I'm only laughing like to keep them crying because it's like it's sad. It's a sad reality that when someone gets fired, it's like, whoa, that's a step. And you think that should be normal, but like a lot of times, this person's placed on administrative leave, administrative paid leave, while they quote unquote investigate, and then they eventually find a couple weeks later. Well, he was right to use, justified to use that, you know, lethal force, and it was a justifiable homicide or something like that, and he gets off scot free. So to see somebody just lose their job is like, whoa. And then you see Minneapolis, well, not just the one cop was arrested, all four cops were arrested, and we'll see what happens there. You know, they still got to get convictions. So it's not like we got to celebrate yet. Um, but you know, that's how bad it is when we're celebrating this the cop's being fired or the chief of police getting fired when. You know, if that type of accountability is the norm from here on out, you might see less and less of this type of stuff. Because that's what it really comes down to: is a lack of accountability. If the the next day the chief of police, who, I mean, come on, where's your leadership when you're, you know people are protesting a, a a police brutality? You know, that's the reason why we're here. We're here to protest police police brutality, and you're using lethal force on people who are just out in the street that's ridiculous. Yeah, your leadership is, is faulty, apparently. They didn't listen to you or you didn't bother doing uh, really emphasize the fact to not use lethal force, to not shut off your body cams. You gotta go. So that type of accountability has to be the norm. That had to be the bare minimum. And if that's the bare minimum, you might see a lot less of it. But, you know, that that also is, is deeper than that, though. It's deeper than, you know, you do something bad, you punish you. Because that's pretty much a criminal justice system. Right? Commit a crime, you do the time, but it goes deeper than that. It's like, why is this stuff happening? You know, who are we letting in into the police force? So you get to that issue too. You know, you know, being you know, checking out, really diving deeper who these people are, and the type of person that you're letting onto the, to the, in, into the police forces, and seeing it as you know, a, a, such a high responsibility. It's not just a job. It's not you versus the neighborhood. It's a responsibility to protect the neighborhood, and that's it, it, until that attitude is really widespread, we're going to have a lot of these same issues. But hopefully, that's that's you know, changing soon. That's that's where the tide is going to turn, and that people take more responsibility when they put on that badge and and you know, and protecting the neighborhood and get to know the people in the neighborhood and not just see them as the enemy, you know, because you're a part of this brotherhood known as the police force. But man, it's a responsibility. With great power, come with great responsibility. That's a cheesy cliche from Spider-Man, but it's true. You know, and police officers, y'all have a lot of power. Just by virtue of your badge. You gotta be more responsible. You can't get caught up in your feelings when somebody might say something to you you don't like. Or do something you don't like. If they don't break the law. You have no right to arrest this person. Or you just, like I said, can't lose your composure. You are held to a higher standard than normal people. No more people are called civilians. You are not a civilian. You are a police officer, officer of the law. You are held to a higher standard. So yes, you got to act differently. Sorry, and if you can't do that, you shouldn't be a cop. That's it. So.
1: yeah, And we know Camden very well, and we saw those Camden police officers march with those protesters and that it happening in Camden after they readjusted their Police force and do, they're doing like de-escalation training, more emphasis on that, and look what happened, you know. And that's kind of like you know, you, you get into those communities and you get to talk to those people. Those people are going to trust you as long as you uphold the law correctly, and you don't have that sh- that anger issue. That that's what it seems like. It's like these. It just seems watching these videos of them attacking these peaceful protesters just because they're they're getting angry about the insults that are hurled at them. It's like, well, whatever happened to free speech? We talk about that. There, free speech doesn't mean freedom of consequence in in terms of your job uh, getting fired or whatever. But you have to understand that getting, you can't get arrested for your freedom of speech if you're telling a cop, why won't you kneel with us, and they say because we don't want to, and then they start beating you up. That's not right. And we've absolutely seen that this last week, and it it sucks. It sucks to watch. And seeing what happened in Camden, uh, it was nice, um, but that's just the first step. Yeah, only the beginning,
0: so (sighs) <sighs> that's heavy, man. It's it's a heavy thing to talk about. It's it's a heavy thing to look at on social media every day. Uh, and the thing is, you know, people say sports is an escape, and that's the reason why they didn't want to see, like we of Kaepernick protests and stuff like that. Because they come to sports to escape all that stuff that they already don't pay attention to. So that's not like <laughs> like y'all look at it all the time, and you don't look at it when you watch sports. You don't pay attention to it anyway which is the reason why we have a problem with it um, when you watch sports. But that's the problem. We see it in sports, too. Whether it's in football, whether it's in hockey, which is like, it's coming out big time now in hockey that, you know, it can be very unwelcoming to minorities, specifically black people. Um, you know, you see it when, how basketball is perceived, when a fight happens in basketball, that people call them thugs, you know, in, in basketball, NBA, the league is like 75% black, something like that. So, You know, you see it in sports and of course you see it in pro wrestling. And we've talked about it, I mean, I don't know how many times have we talked about um, you know, racism and and, and just bigotry in pro wrestling and or just the lack of representation in pro wrestling, really. Um you know, I've talked about it and we've we've both talked about it numerous times in the podcast, how there needs to be more people of color at the top of the card and not just you know, kind of, like, sprinkled throughout or, like, sprinkled here and there. We need, you know, more Bobby Lashley's, you know, who's at the top of the card. You know, we got our truth is my guy and all, but we need more people at the top of the card. You know, we need to see people like Naomi at the top of the card or Bianca Belair. You know, we need more of that. And that's, that's you know, so we're not letting wrestling or pro sports off the hook neither because it happens there as well. So, Yeah. So if you're still here with us and you haven't turned us off yet, I uh, hope you all either agree with us or you are out here fighting that good fight, or you are, you know, taking action in some other way, or just being good people. That's what it really comes well, to. Hopefully,
1: you've right. learned something. Hopefully, you've learned something.
0: That too. If you learn something, take what you learned and try to make some good out of it. You know, that's what. That's all I want, man. Just be good people. Be, you know, it's not. It's just so to me it's so easy to be a good person to people. But I wasn't raised like you like you said, you weren't raised to be a racist, neither was I. Um, and my just personal disposition is just to respect people regardless of race, creed, religion, uh sexual orientation, you know, gender, whatever. You just respect people. Treat people how you want to be respected. You know? And, you know, and it's you got systemic oppression, you got Uh, you know, discrimination against people in the LGBTQ community. You got all this type of stuff that happens in our country and in our world. And it's just like, it's all bad. It's tragic, honestly. And let's just all hope that it can be better and good to each other. How about that? Let's end it on a positive note. Amen. Like, what what was it? Jackie Moon said in, uh, uh, semi pro ELE. Everybody love everybody, right? That's what, that's what we want out of this. I I gotta tell you, man! I never watched that. (laughs) (laughs) Semi Pro is a semi funny movie. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Like it's okay. Um, it's uh, it's not as good as Talladega Nights or um, what's another one he did? Like Anchorman. Anchorman, yeah. Uh, those are classics. But Semi Pro, it it has its moments. I'll say that. Yeah, Anchorman
1: is probably one of my top movies. So. Oh man,
0: like I said, that's a a classic. Both of those are classic. Both that and like I said, Tyler Knights classics, and underrated. Speaking of John C. Riley, uh, underrated movie I watched the other day while wow, the all the, I mean all the the peaceful protests which is getting just just ransacked by you know police and whatnot. You know that made me just furious, honestly. But what I did to distract myself was first of all drink some whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I watched Dewey Cox, the Walk Hard. Dewey cox i don't know if you've seen that i have not oh come on man! <laughs> well it's on my list come on it's like a parody of ray like the ray charles movie and walk the line the johnny cash movie it's hysterical uh, john c riley it's he's the main character
1: it's an all-timer like, i will try to fit that in it's in on my, netflix uh, right now by todd pettengill no and no forget todd pettengill you, you talk like my thread, though. You seen my Twitter I've thread. I've seen right it. Like, yeah. I have
0: seen it, but nah. Dewey Cox, walk, walk hard. It's on Netflix right now. It's not always on Netflix, but it's on there right now. So you got to get it while it's still on there. Hysterical, like, like so. John C. Riley, Tim Meadows, uh, Craig Robinson's in there for a little bit. It's got so many, it's so many people. It's so funny. Got it. But check that out, even for the <laughs> the, the the listeners out there. <laughs> You want to get distracted, at least for a little bit, from the BS going on in our world. Um, But even still, man, like I said, once you're, you know, not stressing yourself out, looking at your timeline, you know, try to, you know, make yourself happy in some way. But obviously, it's hard. It's it's understandably hard. Like I said, a lot lot of people reached out to me the last couple of days, wondering if I was okay. You know, people, they openly said, you know. My Slack channels at work, like, man, uh, this, this, I'm not feeling good right now. I need a mental health break. This is crazy. Like, it's, uh, it's rough, man. So, I lost, I had to de- defriend a couple people on Facebook. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because just, just, I can't friend you. can't. And it can't happen. You I don't blame you. Same thing with me. You can't be on that other side of this. There is no sides to this, honestly. No, exactly. Racism and oppression is bad. So, <laughs> how can you be against how can you not acknowledge this or be against the tactics that are being used by our government right now?
1: Uh, and, and, and don't you, be so blinded because you, now you're mad at the rioters, but you're not listening right. to why it's happening. You know
0: why it's happening again. Like you don't look at you look at the act, not why they act. Not you look at the action and not why it happened. Just exactly. like the war on drugs, you just looked at this person's using drugs, arrest them. No, why are they using drugs? How, like, get them help. Like, try to do this, do this. Why are they committing crimes? You know, a lot of times you see people committing crimes, they're hurt. They, they just, people who join gangs, a lot of times, they don't have a family of their own, so they join a gang, cause that's the only thing that they, that show them love. You know what I'm saying? How about that? How about, you know, therapy, mental health, all this other stuff. So, you know, that's, again, not just get sidetracked from fun stuff, but this is, I keep coming back to it. It's just, it's a real thing, man, so. Take care of each other, folks, please. Uh, And be be good people to each other. But, um... Awkward transition time. Like I said, it's going to be an awkward transition regardless of what else we talk about. Um, Because it's not nearly as important as what we just talked about. That's obviously the most important thing going on in the
1: world right now. But this... Going to lighten up the mood a little bit. We're going to go through my Todd Pentengill thread, aren't we? We're not going to do that. Ah, man.
0: Uh, we're going to live commentate, as I said earlier, as I alluded to earlier. We're going to live commentate for the next three, starting tonight, and for the next two weeks, uh, each of the fantastic trilogy of matches between Ric Flair and Steamboat, starting tonight with the Shy Town Rumble, February twentieth, nineteen eighty nine. We got it up on the WWE Network right now, one hour fifty eight minutes twenty three seconds. If you want to join us, so we'll give you a quick second. To get it all set up, get to that point. Fortunately, WWE is at the chapters now, so you can easily skip to it. So it shouldn't take that long, honestly. But in case you, you know, hadn't got your computer up yet, you can watch along with us. One hour 58 seconds, second, fifty-eight minutes twenty-three seconds. So this is going to be a card a long match. The show ends at two hours twenty-nine minutes. We got like a thirty-minute match here. But of course, this match. Is for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I believe Ric Flair comes in as the champion. Ricky Steamboat is the challenger. I can look it up just to be sure because, you know. I
1: miss the title World Heavyweight Champion. I do, too. This sounds so official. It, it does. And I never even realized it in the 90s, but WCW never called their champion the WCW champion. It was always the World Heavyweight Champion. The World
0: Heavyweight and Championship.
1: the WWF always called their champion the WWF champion.
0: Yeah, because they're like, this is the promotions champion. Yeah. I don't know. But they did for a little bit. They did have, when when they first unified the WWE and the World Heavyweight titles in 2013. yeah. yeah. They called it the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which I was cool with. It's like, that sounds very official because okay. that's what it is. It's essentially it's a WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I know they combine two names, but that's what it is. It's like, okay, cool. It's cool. It when sounds did, cool, man. Right. Then when they did this brand split the second time around, it was like, they they was like, for whatever reason, they just gradually took away from it. It was like WWE World Championship. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why not World Heavyweight? Like, <laughs> yeah. Why did you do this? And now it's just, just a WWE Championship. It's like, okay, I don't know why it couldn't have been a WWE World Heavyweight Championship. because It's still a different lineage from the Universal right. Championship. It's right. a totally different thing. So, whatever. But um, Universal yeah. Championship still probably a bad name.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because they were at the drafts in 2016. They were... You know, Raw SmackDown fighting back and forth, who has the champion? It's like, ah, oh, we didn't get Dean Ambrose, but we'll just make our own champion anyway. Like, it mattered. <laughs> the Universal Champion, Champion of the <laughs> Universe, man. That's like important. the fight for the champion didn't even matter because you were gonna just make one anyway on your yep. own brand. Like, come on, come on. Yeah, man. where's all right. at? So, all right, so
0: if you haven't caught up by now to one hour fifty three minutes. Is it fifty three minutes? Let me check again. Fifty eight minutes and twenty three seconds. Uh, I don't know. You know you're going to get left <laughs> behind we're starting now. Uh, you had. You can pause this. You could have paused this. You could have just. You know. I don't know. Had it ready to go beforehand, but whatever. We're here. One hour fifty eight minutes twenty three seconds. Shy Town Rumble, nineteen eighty nine. Flair versus Steamboat. Uh, Nick, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. We're going to hit it in three, two oh, two. Count it down first, then hit it. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. All right. right.
1: Hey, Ric Flair's got theme music. I got Miss Dean Bones. Or did the champion come first? I thought I saw somebody in the ring already. Ref. Or a wrestler. I will say, this might be my favorite era of Ric Flair in terms of his look. Okay, Just the hair, man. It's the longest it ever was. lining the die away?
0: <laughs> yeah. You used
1: No feathers at this point. On his robe. Yeah. I already in the ring. Oh, well. He got the job or entrance, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the job At least uh, by the people that do the highlights for these on the WWE network. Ooh, I don't think that right? was his wife. <laughs> oh, come on, Rick. You think that's the first time Rick Laird kissed another woman
0: <laughs> that was not his Absolutely not. Speaking of wives, you see what Le Hogan said on Twitter?
1: Yes, I did. Woof! Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, darling. I will say something that I thought was kind of Lane, I don't know how you felt about Tony Khan's response, but I just thought it was like he was trying to get some score, score some points by. I mean,
0: like, a lot of people did
1: that. Yeah, like Hulk Hogan was never going to go to your AEW show, man. Like, wh- why are you trying to? He, should. He-, he made it into an AEW. AEW. He made it into an AEW thing. I, I didn't think that was. I don't know. Yeah. It was just he's weird a weird
0: contracted person now. So. Well, and happens, like, when is Linda Hogan going to shows? Does she, does she go to shows <laughs> they, like they're divorced her too. Like, they're
1: divorced. Like they've been divorced yeah. <laughs> She like, keeps so the Hogan name like, well, for like,
0: a Over a decade now, they've been divorced.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Here we go. It's just weird. Don't just don't make it an AEW thing. It was just weird to me. Very felt inauthentic in a, in a way. There is my favorite title though. That belt. I can't believe it's Your not favorite? being used right now. Yeah, I, I gotta say it's all all-time
0: favorite. It's that
1: yeah. big gold belt. Yeah, because there's none it's better. It's all gold. There's no like. I do like the version that had the red, the red. Uh, you know, like Ruby pins on it. I guys. guess yeah, that WWE had, but there you go. It's just all gold. Like it's big. It's got a cool crown in it. <laughs>
0: We're on the call is Jim Ross and Magnum TA. In the ring as referee is Tommy Young.
1: Oh boy. Bill Tommy Young. Look at these ropes. They're so weird looking. Yeah, the colors are blue, blue, white, and match. Yes. Red turnbuckle on one side, white on the other. Again, this was February twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, so this was even this before is I started only, watching wrestling. Only eleven days after I was born.
0: Oh wow. How about that? Who's that? Brad Muster. <laughs> Halfback. Okay. Let's look up Brad Muster stats while we're at it. <laughs> you know I yes. like looking up football player stats in wrestling. Yes. I
1: love when All right, I do so that. Brad
0: Brad Muster was selected in the first round of the 1988 NFL draft. So, this was Another 80 so this is after his rookie season. Yeah. Um let's see here. He was a fullback. They had him as a halfback, but he was a fullback. Different positions for those who don't know. Uh let's see. Brad Muster. Brad Muster played 7 seasons. His best season as far as yardage was nineteen ninety. He had six hundred and sixty four yards, six touchdowns. Mm. His rookie year at hundred and ninety seven. Eighty nine. He had five touchdowns in eighty nine, though. Mm. No Pro Bowls. But he played played had a decent career. He played like I said from eighty eight to ninety four. Uh played for the Saints and the Bears. He got drafted for the Bears. He played for the Saints in his last two seasons. So mm. had muster. Oh, caught a lot of passes, too, this Brad Buster guy. He almost had as many uh receiving yards as he did passing yards, or well, rushing yards. He caught, caught 200 passes in this career. Fuck about that? He was receiving back, too.
1: Did he play with the Bears? The Bears. It's the only team he played with? He was- uh, Bears and Saints, yeah. Ah.
0: He was on that damn '88 team that won the to the Eagles. So how about oh, that? man? Damn it.
1: You will always find a feeling action somehow. I love it. Damn Fogball. <laughs> damn '88, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Know well, I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at
0: that. I got it. No, you do. I got it. Let's see here. That was a divisional game. Yep, twenty to twelve, December thirty first, nineteen eighty-eight. Just to be where this is I got the help out of them in the championship by the 49ers. Hmm. Yeah, next week, Brad muster and the Bears after beating us in the Bowl, probably shouldn't have happened. Damn it. <laughs> Still mad about that. I can tell. <laughs> um, the Bears hosted the NFC Championship and got spanked 23. Oh, that's a shame. All Brad Muster's fault. That is a shame.
1: All right, it's back to wrestling. Here. Good uh, luck to Nick Foles in I Chicago, talk football, by man. the way. I yeah. say that loosely. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of headlocks here. This is uh, like I, I love this wrestling. I, I, I love this wrestling when it tells a story, but it's also kind of like boring in a way compared to what we see today. You know, we don't as many wrestles. You know, we don't really see as many. As we I'm did good back with then. it. That,
0: that was the style back then, right? Absolutely. And
1: yep. They, they built the drama of,
0: of yeah. everything that they did later in the match, and that's you got Ross
1: in the call, yeah. That's how you. Don't he made it tire more dramatic crap. with his call. Yeah. Was that? And that's how you don't tire out a crowd, too. You give them, you know, time to reset during the course of a match, too. Like, you don't like, need like, quick, fast-paced, you know, for 15, but, 20 minutes all the time. The thing was, this was fast-paced for 1989. It was, yeah. This wasn't, like,
0: slow. Nope. This was, like, as quick as it can be in the United States in 1989.
1: Ooh, look at that mullet, yeah, that, that guy! Like this. that's about uh, as long as my hair is right now. With that mullet or with the yeah, hair? Yeah. both. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, about there. I mean the the front part is longer. My I've grown What was the last time you had a hair? haircut? Uh, the last time I went to a barber was November 2018. 2018? Yes.
0: You haven't cut your hair since 2018.
1: Not the top. I've had a coworker oh. who um, still does haircuts. Actually, she used to work but uh, in a haircut place, but she doesn't anymore. But she still does them. Um, she has trimmed. She had trimmed the sides and the back for me a couple times uh, until my top got long enough to where I just started growing out the sides and the back. So they were kind of like all together now. So I put my hair up now. It's Crazy! I don't think you've seen that because my hair was shorter the last time we saw each other. So, yeah. I had a haircut. since like late February, <laughs> or like no,
0: actually it might be mid February. I remember I did get a haircut before I went to New Orleans, and that's like we got to my birthday like, yeah, yeah. around my birthday, which is February 9th. But was out yeah. there. who want to give me a present next year? Uh, birthday's February. Look at <laughs> Flair taking that <laughs> bump with his butt <laughs> up in the air. But. I think that's my last time I had a haircut was before I left for New Orleans. So because yeah. before the quarantine happened, I was about due, mm. and that was like a month after my last haircut. That was like, that's I, enough time for me. Like I was past due, if anything. And were, then we everything shut down. So it's been mm. since probably February since I had a haircut. So we're looking at four months.
1: Wow, wow. fantastic! Ooh, there it is. Yeah. yeah, I would have to get grown up. I got it. There it is, my favorite belt. I would mm-hmm. have to get a, a haircut. Every month or every five weeks or something like that, just because of the style I liked. But now I'm kind of digging the longer hair. I hate my long hair. <laughs> I mean, not, I'm going to wait actually because when to open barbershops, not going right away. Yeah. yeah The day I do it it is going to be like I might cry because
0: I'm just I'm so
1: happy. To get rid of it. Yeah, I kind of like doing my hair, kind of like Adam Cole. My hair is not as long as his, but that's kind of like where oh, I'm Brad at. Mustard siding. Oh boy.
0: I said right here in the middle, like a man. Like a man. Ooh, another chap. I always liked how Jim Ross would wouldn't say nineteen oh five. He referred to like the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. And like the lineage of it. He would always say 19 which is like, what? It was weird, but it was unique. And I've never heard anybody else say it that way. And I remember the first time I heard him say it that way was like WrestleMania 20, when there was the main event for the world title, the Triple Threat Match. And he was like talking about how the world championship, which it did still, that World Heavyweight Championship, the lineage went back to what we're watching right now, the NWA world title, because it went through WW and the NWA, and then it went back to like 1905. But he's like, yeah, the Linus goes back to 1905. I was like,
1: what? But <laughs> it did, though. It does. I mean, I am might nice at 1905, though. Yeah, I'm not a fan. 1905. <laughs> that's just confusing. <laughs> it is
0: kind of weird. But it's, I don't know, it's cool to at least to know that even if you said 1905, like, I think it's cool to acknowledge that the history is what
1: is yeah. that. Be. Yeah, I'm not sure they would today. No, they, they never
0: mentioned, like, I can't remember how far the WWE title goes back. No. <sighs> what was it? Uh, I don't even
1: remember It fir- was the first champ, Bruno. Buddy Rogers. Yeah. Nature
0: boy Buddy Rogers. This 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 is funny, 19, th- 1963.
1: Th- isn't that a disqualification? <laughs> uh, um, No, I don't think you threw him over the top, bro. You no, just oh, fell yeah, over the top, bro. It's funny because I should know the first champion. Like I I knew all my history for so many years, but now it just seems like a blur. There's some things I'm forgetting. Pretty sure it's 1960. Remember
0: about that 50 years of the WWE Championship? like That DVD. I remember they sent me that DVD in the fall and like, They would still send the people, send the writers DVDs, physical DVDs, which now sounds like archaic.
1: Yeah. they would actually spend money to I send you stuff. I used to. <laughs> order the pay-per-view on DVDs through Amazon, and I would get them, like, you know, whenever they would get released, like, what, three months later mm-hmm. for, you know, a used copy. I would go back and buy them for, like, $15, $20. Oh! Just so I can add them to my collection. Much. Yeah, when I first started
0: covering WWE or covering wrestling in you know, 2013, they would still send out which, like, they stopped doing that by, like, 2016, 2017. Like, this is stupid. But, <laughs> In 2013, they would still send out every pay-per-view, I think, on DVD, and they really? would send out, like, whatever, whatever uh, like, feature DVD, so, like, the Mankind, the Mick Foley DVD, mm-hmm. the Triple H DVD, the Top 50 Superstars of All Time, I got the Top Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. DVD, like, In Your House DVD, uh, which I'll probably you. get to you, you probably would love it. <laughs> 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 Even nice. though it's, it's all on WWE Network, essentially, right, it's, like, yeah. every In Your House.
1: Yeah, I probably already you know, watched them all, anyway. Twice. Right. So,
0: but like <laughs> that, they sent me the War Games DVD, which is actually really cool. The War Games DVD. I think it was hosted by Dusty Rhodes.
1: I actually have that one, yeah. I, I bought a lot okay. of over uh, Amazon, too.
0: They, they sent me, like, multiple copies of that. Like, it was weird. <laughs> they sent me, like, the Extreme Rules from, like, 2013 to 20, something like that. Like, they sent me pay per views. They sent me, like, the best matches on nice. Raw and SmackDown nice. from, like, 2013. It was, like, all this that they would send me. And I would watch it, and they would send it to me, like, in a package. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, like, every month I would get something from them. And then, like, and they sent me books too. That's They probably stopped sending me stuff in like 2015, 2016, I would say. Mm. Maybe 2016, like, by the time they started cutting back on their budget, that was like uh, the end of sending me. No
1: stuff. Pyro and no DVDs yeah, that glove. time.
0: <laughs> right. Ooh, big suplex, big suplex. But that's when they stopped sending me all that stuff. I still got some of that stuff somewhere too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would, I would get these, I would get TNA DVDs too, just so I could have them as part of my collection when they would do it on like Kurt Angle and Sting and yeah, Steven Jeff Jarrett and um, not really the pay-per-views though, uh, but enough to where like, I thought my collection was one of the best wrestling collections that anyone could ever have, but it's funny oh. because... Now, I'm sure so many other people have better collections than I do. I was going to say, you think your collection's good. I'm right. sure there's somebody out there who put your collection to shame. I mean, I did not tape mainly every Saturday morning, which was a huge oversight by me, but, Oh no! you know, someone has.
0: Steamboat. <laughs> Steamboat is killing Flair with these chops.
1: Uh, here goes Flair. Oh, here yeah. he goes. Up in to the top rope. He's going to hit it. He's going to hit
0: it. Oh, he actually succeeded Steam- in this. Oh, never mind. What is
1: Steamboat doing? <laughs> he was... <laughs> he was, uh... Baiting him. I guess. I've never seen Ric Flair actually do a high cross-cutting block. Rope. Yeah. Ooh.
0: He always fails.
1: Tap. 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 Can you imagine that right now? Tap. Tap. <laughs> this is awesome. Right? That's all you can <laughs> right now. Look at Stebo look at trying to keep his shoulders off the mat. That is like great that is like pure wrestling right there, man. That we just don't see. Man. Still fighting, can't die.
0: <laughs> Still fighting. The people are going crazy. Look at all the people behind, you know, on the hard camera side. They're all standing up. in that yeah.
1: Yep. Is that Meltzer <laughs> that in the front dude. row? With the fro? I don't know, but that one dude was holding. That up looks four like fingers. Meltzer in the front row. I mean, it might have been. Right. But I was looking at the dude. No, I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> it might be um, him right there. With the afro, yeah. With the, with yeah. yeah, you're right. I was looking at the guy on the other camera shot that was holding up four fingers going, Rick oh, Flair, no, Rick that, Flair, not, Flair. Not that dweeb.
0: <laughs> I'm talking about this jack dude with the fro in the front row. That looks yeah, like Meltzer circa def- 1989. Definitely looks like him. Been out here fighting for the cause, too, so <laughs> I see you. Yeah. We don't agree on everything wrestling, but some things are more important. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Melissa in the front row there with the, the How much what kind of product did you put in his hair to get that fro? Or is that just natural? You think that's a natural fro?
1: There it is. Come on, Ref, you're right there. There you go. Was he de- <laughs> I was going to say, what?
0: <laughs> Woo!
1: A lot of Flair fans. Yeah. In Chicago. See, that's what, it, like, if he was a heel, you know, you still, his matches, people are still cheering for him, so was he ever, like, a true heel? Oh, he was definitely a heel. Maybe, I mean... I mean, like, in terms of his character, yeah, but, like, people loved it. Yeah, so. they like the swag,
0: but he's still a heel.
1: For sure. Reminds Except me of Baron different... Corbin. <laughs> there's people that like Baron Corbin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, people
0: are totally cheering Baron Corbin. nobody in the stands right now. But... <laughs> Except it. NXT wrestlers behind our hockey mm. boards. Oh! whoa, Oh! Whacking down in his head! <laughs> Jim Ross was hella good like WWF, nice. still hella good, but... Hella good, man.
1: Man, those chops. Ooh. You never, like, did not hear them over the TV. <laughs> King about these matches, though, like they feel like
0: a sport. They feel like two competitors... Yeah, at the top of their game, fighting it out for the richest prize in the industry. That's what I loved about '80s Jim Crockett NWA. It felt like a sport, especially uh-huh. when it came to Flair. And like if you had a hot opponent like Dusty or Steamboat, the heat and the emotion and the action was just. Yep. It's, you know I, I miss that aspect when it's not super entertainmenty. It's, you know, obviously the action is. The guys are more athletic and stuff like that, but there's something to what they're doing in this match. They're not doing nearly as much as those other guys, even though they were doing mm-hmm. a lot for 1989. But not doing as much as the guys do today. But yet, it's you know you can feel that emotion. You can feel like the intensity, like there's real stakes involved. Yeah, and obviously it's
1: a war title match, or so there's stakes. But like, <laughs> well, even it like regular matches, authentic. you know, I'd watch this one. It was on WWE 24/7 on demand before the network, and I would. Just kind of being at all it, the crowd's reaction to this, how much it felt like a sport. Um, like you said, like two guys at the top of their game going like head to head. How different the presentation is, <laughs> and like just that little the shove from the ref, like that little thing. You know, it the crowd just ate it up, and it's so different now. And in in a way, I guess it's better because wrestlers are making more money nowadays, but. Like That's good for them, but as a fan, you know, you're watching, and if you're a fan that appreciated the sport aspects, uh, there's really not many places to turn to nowadays to get that. New Japan really is the one that I would suggest to anyone uh, that would ask me. It's like, okay, what pro wrestling can I watch that doesn't feel fake? And I would be like, New Japan.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh. No. Schoolboy, schoolboy. When did they start calling it a schoolboy? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Question? Oh! <laughs> Swinging <and> a miss. <laughs> you know what I watched the other day for the first time in 20 years? The What's D that? Generation X in your house pay per view. It actually wasn't like terrible. I remember for the main event and Shamrock versus Shawn Michaels, Howard Finkel was bridge. like, Oh, yeah. Howard Finkel was like, This bout is scheduled for a one hour time limit. And I was like, I missed those. Yeah. Up, oh, his foot's going to go on the. Oh. There. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> they're athletic bodies
0: huh.
1: they're perfect Man. too much sweat
0: this is the drama like Jim Ross is calling this, this, you know, announcing his ass all yeah. the like tired. top his game too right. Yeah.
1: How about the career of Ricky Simbo? had these classics with Ric Flair. Maybe the best WrestleMania match ever against Randy Savage, arguably. Um, not my favorite, but in many fans' favorites. And What's up, there. Many wrestlers' favorites. And then imagine him. Ricky Steamboat was the third man in the NWO. And not hmm. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Crazy. Come for it all. Oh! Uh.
0: If that isn't Melton, I'd be stunned. That looks exactly that's like gotta, what, that's gotta, what, that's what be. he would look like in 1989. We,
1: we gotta, like, peruse his timeline search Shy town Rumble. <laughs> hmm. Oh, Tommy how does Tommy Young just find a way to get in the way?
0: <laughs> Why are you Damn there, it. Tommy Young?
1: Damn it, Tommy.
0: Like Melzer's sitting next to Brad Muster. If that if that's Melzer. I don't know if that's like.
1: Uh, oh, oh no. Oh come on. He's got the tights. Come on. <laughs>
0: Tommy, and get the hell Isn't out of the
1: way. The funniest thing to me where imagine in life sport if the one ref gets knocked out and they oh, just, keep right. <laughs> <laughs> just keep playing. Right. Yeah, Like boxing
0: that would never happen. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Teddy Long. Oh. But he wasn't the ref. Right, or he wasn't can you imagine a, a second referee coming to a boxing <laughs> match and <but> be like, <laughs> he's out of here, he's out. Wow. Is that? That's Teddy Long. Yeah. With a terrible haircut. <laughs> with an awful haircut with a perm and his hair slicked back, but there's like no hair. Like, what the
1: hell? Oh, Teddy. He had to let that go, Teddy. He had to He's come about to be now. like, now you'll face the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Mark Callis. <laughs> oh yeah, he technically wasn't the Undertaker yet. What well, about with still the in, Punisher? Not in the WWF. They were still part of the NWA. Man, he was quick to get in there. He was like, "I'm counting this shit." <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Like okay, super I'm jumping in here and taking a
1: shot. <laughs> He's out. There will be no dusty finish tonight, folks. No,
0: it's gonna be a champagne no. shower. And okay. Magnum, T. Magnum T, Magnum T. mustache. Look at that stash, Magnum T A. And a hair, by the way. Yeah, he was a stud. <laughs> he was a stud.
1: <laughs> what if he became you know? Like a- I told him to-
0: yeah. You see that guy in the back with the, t- the mock turtle neck and that ugly belt? Yeah, got? that like yeah. a toy world title.
1: This freaking foam belt scrapped
0: me up. Oh man! And that shirt, that mock turtle <laughs> neck. <laughs> oh man! Bob title. Yeah.
1: People title. Okay. You know, funny. It's like
0: I just noticed this too. When I think about it, how back in the day in sports, when a team won a the championship, they didn't celebrate like on the court or on the field. They would go like straight to the locker room, mm-hmm. and they would give them the trophy in the locker right. room. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which they don't do that anymore. They 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 stopped. They did it up uh-huh. until, like, until like the nineties. Like I think, from what I remember, the last Super Bowl to not celebrate to celebrate in the locker room was like Super Bowl twenty nine, like in like ninety four, but like. And you see everyone after that was like on the field, but like, I don't know why they did that back in the day. Like, it's so much better when teams are on the court, or on the field, celebrating the championship instead of in the locker room.
1: I guess because, now, like, we're used to it in front of the fans nowadays. Right, but like, yeah. even
0: at home, they would do it at home, too. Yeah. Like, every Super Bowl, they would, like, leave the field and give the trophy in the locker room. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah, but, like, know. you do see the locker room presentations when, like, you said, let's say a team was. In the conference championship on the road, mm-hmm. they'll se- they won't celebrate in that team's field. They'll go in the locker room. Like when the Rams won a couple years ago, they gave the trophy out in the locker room. Mm-hmm. But like when it's the finals or like when it's the Stanley Cup final or the NBA finals or even like the yeah, World Series.
1: Yeah. I think
0: the World Series, they might still do it on the field. I think so. so like in wrestling, they took him yeah. back to the locker room. But like nowadays, in wrestling, the guy would be out in the ring
1: for like 10 minutes after he won the championship. Like there'd be fireworks. And- yeah, maybe because uh, they don't want too many cameras to get soaked with champagne. <laughs> yeah, right? That's what's definitely happening right now with Steamboat. Yeah. Reminds me of the Lex Luger celebration in 97.
0: He got champagne in his. Wait, there's another match going on.
1: <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, wait, what?
0: <laughs> Who is that? No one's even
1: looking. No. Hold on, let me look this, was up. this pre-taped? Look Is this pre taped? Is this a dark match <laughs> before the event? Is it pre taped? That'd, that'd be weird if it was. Who is that? Is that Hulk Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Hulk <laughs> I know. I don't know. But that's weird, though. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, like, rewind I, that. That was celebrating in the locker room. Yeah, yeah the towel on. It's definitely a Hulk Hogan lookalike. You got white tights, the long blonde hair, muscular build. Wasn't Shane Douglas, because I don't think Shane Douglas was at Barry Windham, maybe? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm looking, but I can't tell. That's hilarious. Good, good catch, because I wouldn't have noticed if you didn't say anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed. Weird. <laughs> and that's... That's match number one.
0: shytown town Rumble. 1989. we got two more to go. Next week is Clash of Champions, I believe, six? Uh, if don't know about that, let's probably double-check that as well. But, uh, hey, that was just in time. Because- <laughs> the next
1: installment of The Flare. We have a line of severe thunderstorms moving in right now, so that's good timing. All right. <laughs> so next week, Class Champion 6
0: from this Class of Champion 6, Rage and Cajun from New Orleans, April 2nd, 1989. So we'll check that out mm-hmm. next week. We'll talk about some more wrestling. Uh, but in the meantime, Nick, it's time for us to wrap up this
1: show, so please, take us out with some plugs you can follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. Please retweet my top and girl thread. I've been adding to it every single day, and it's gotten to be so funny at this point. Um, so I even tweeted it to uh, one of the guys from the Bump, uh, Matt Camp, and and he uh, said I look at your thread every day. So it just day I'm sure he's just uh, patronizing me but it's hilarious uh, nonetheless so check it out I will be adding to that as much as I possibly can and you can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio and you can follow me at phillyinfluencer.com and phillyvoice.com I am at M Johnson on
0: Twitter you can check me out there. You won't be able to check me out out here in these streets, because despite what's going on, we're still kind of in the middle of a pandemic, so still trying to social distance and whatnot. But yeah, check us out. Like you said, Nick said on Patreon. You can subscribe to some exclusive content for the small fee of one ninety nine. Also, check us out at shootersradio.com. You can find a whole slew of episodes in the archives. You can find a whole bunch of epi- uh, episodes in the archives on a whole bunch of different platforms, like Pandora's... Uh, Spotify, of course Apple Podcasts and all those other platforms out there. But for Nick I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 237 of The Straight Shooters and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.